WENJHD, Millville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Uh, we are live on a Tuesday, and we have breaking news. If you're just joining, well, the show just started, so if you're just joining the show, we open up with breaking news. I'm Mike Gill. That's Hunter Brody. Josh Henning producing today's show, you out there. And I'm all dressed in Phillies gear today. I have, like, old-school Phillies gear on. And, of course, the Eagles say, you will not get into Phillies mode. As uh, the Eagles today, Doug Peterson has announced his starting quarterback for the game on Sunday, and it will be Jalen Hurts, your new starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, of course, now the speculation begins. What's next for Wentz? What happens here? Broads, what's going on, man? We got breaking news all over the place. We got a new starting quarterback. Apparently, James Harden wants to be traded to the Sixers. The Michigan-Ohio State game is off. It's a good day to be on. Yeah, a lot happening right now. It's funny you brought up that Phillies P, though. I have on this maroon hat as we speak, a little Harvard hockey. I almost went old-school Phillies uh, hat as well. That would have been real weird. Yeah, I said I got to, like, do something to change the mojo, although the Phillies probably had me just as ticked off as anybody else. No doubt about it. The old John Middleton news. Yeah, that's something as well to add to the mix. So there is a lot going on. But we have to start with Jalen Hurts, of course. Why do you Has think to. they made this decision? Uh, I, I think it's a, a combination of a few things here. And Jeff Saturday, I mean, he was just on SportsCenter, and it was breaking as he was on, and he got asked a question. And, you know, one of the things that he mentioned is he's not sure about why they did this. This is what he said. Take a listen. I'm not sure that the Eagles' offense is really set up to help Jalen Hurts be successful. Receiving core, it's not like these guys are making a ton of plays. Your offensive line has been just decimated by injuries. I think they've had 10 or 11 different combinations of starters. So from a Jalen Hurts perspective, when you want to see him progress or kind of develop into a quarterback, I would have thought the rotation was still the best opportunity. Obviously, Doug Peterson didn't agree, decided to go wholesale change. So he says maybe the offense is not set up for Hurts. He doesn't think that the line and everything is really there. And I think quite the contrary is what Doug Peterson's saying. I'm not saying he's right. My point is this. Doug Peterson's coaching for his job right now, and the way he's fighting for his job is by saying, I'm going to show you that it's not me that's been the problem. It's been the quarterback. So by changing the quarterback, I will run what we've been running, and I will show you that it works if the quarterback play is better. I do think he's trying to make that statement. Definitely. There have been a lot of reports. Ian Rappaport stated over the weekend that, you know, this guy is coaching for his job. He is on the hot seat. So with all of the noise surrounding, and I think even Jim Schwartz alluded to a little bit of some intense stuff happening inside the organization right now as well. So it seems to be a little bit of sense of urgency from the head coach to make sure he makes this statement. Now, you said it. It might not be the right way to view it but it does seem that is the way he's viewing it. right and as I said maybe the Eagles don't think what everybody else is saying that all the talent around Wentz has been so bad maybe the Eagles don't agree and that's why they make this move is to say we don't agree that our receivers are not getting open or that they're not getting enough separation or that the offensive line has been horrible we don't agree with you and now we want to show you 
I mean, what if they go out and go 3-1 and one over these last four games? That would be incredible, really. It would just be incredible. And knowing how this has been, right, with the whole, hey, when Carson Wentz doesn't play, whoever steps in seems to play and win games, I wouldn't be surprised. And seeing that the Giants just beat Seattle, Washington just beat Pittsburgh, why wouldn't Philadelphia knock off New Orleans? And think about it. They're running Taysom Hill, right, which team struggled to beat, but it's not Drew Brees, and the Cardinals have been playing poor, so it's not like you're going up against this slate of insane teams. Now, look, it's going to be hard to beat the Saints. They have a hell of a defense, so it's not going to be some easy cruise just because they don't have Drew Brees there. It'll be interesting, though. You know, I, I did see some mistakes out of Hurts. I saw some good throws out of Hurts. I just don't know what to expect, so I'm intrigued. You got to be intrigued. I mean, I saw people tweeting, I'm now finally excited to watch an Eagles foot game, football game for the first time. I mean, I do feel bad for Wentz in a, in a sense that, look, he was the shiny new toy that everybody was excited about. And when you have a shiny new toy quarterback, you hope that you had that guy for a 10, 12-year career. And I don't know what happens with Wentz after this. I don't know how you go back to him. Well, that's the, the troubling thing for me is, you know, let's say Hertz does struggle. And let's say it's halftime and they have three points. I, I'm just spitballing, right? I don't know if that's going to be the case, but let's say that is. Can you go to can you go back to Carson Wentz? At what point can you go back to Wentz if Hertz struggles? And what's the message then? And then can you go back to Hertz the following week? At this point, what is it? Is it one big back and forth? And what does that send? What See, message is that? Broads, I said yesterday, I thought they would go to Wentz one more time just to say, look, you, the media, and everybody has been saying, maybe you just need to sit him so that he can watch. And he did that for a half. And then I play him. And then if he doesn't play well, then I can say, look, you watched. It didn't work. Now I got to make the change. He jumped right over that step and went right to Jalen Hurts. So I'm a little surprised by the way that he jumped over that step. But my only answer to that would be he sees that the NFC East has had some crazy stuff going on. And there's four games left. He cannot allow another half of football to be that big of a disaster. He can't do it. So he knows these football, these four games could be his job. Absolutely it could be. And I'm just so curious how this whole thing plays out from here with Wentz. What does this mean for the future? What does this mean for the short term? What message is being sent right now when you have a quarterback making that type of money that's about to kick in next season? It's, this is absurd. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I can't think of another situation, and if anybody out there can think of one, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Let us know, because I can't think of one that really comes close to... You having an investment in this player of such a substantial amount, you can't get out from under it, and now you've already made the decision before the contract kicks in that he is no longer the guy that you are married to. I know I brought this hypothetical up yesterday, but it keeps creeping into my head. What if Jalen Hurts looks really bad, right? And I don't think it's going to look to this degree, but I have to look at every possible option. If he looks bad and Carson Wentz is never able to find himself again, what do you do in the draft? What do you do in the draft? If Jalen Hurts is miserable for four games and you don't know what you have in Carson Wentz, what do you do with the sixth overall pick, let's say? Is it out of the question? That's such a hard question. I know. I know it really is, but well, it's it's a possibility. I go back to, you know, 98, I guess it was, when Bobby Hoying played like four games, and you saw Bobby Hoying. Here's another problem. 
Like this is why it's hard. Uh, it's hard to, you know, put it into some sort of context. Bobby Hoying played four games, and you thought, "Wow, these four games, we found our quarterback." The offensive coordinator for that team was John Gruden. John Gruden. We have heard this story on our air many times uh, from Barrett Brooks. John Gruden would tell the quarterback exactly where to throw the football. Well, when John Gruden left to become a head coach, the next coordinator, Dana Bible, did not do the same thing, and they found out that Bobby Hoyne did not have a clue how to play quarterback in the NFL. So if he comes in and plays four good games, and let's say you lose those four games, and then you fire the coach, and now you bring the, the quarterback back and the coach is gone. Well, maybe he played well in those four games because Doug Peterson, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there, to use these four games as the measuring stick as to your future at that position, I find to be dangerous. I agree with you. It would definitely be bizarre. But, yeah, Jared Goff is another example. He is told exactly what to do under Sean McVay, and he struggled under Jeff Fisher. Now, a lot of people struggled under him, and he's super young in this league, so he clearly adapted to the NFL. But he's another one where is Jared Goff the same without someone telling him what's going on in the headset, just for another example. No, I mean, look, Jared Goff, I think we've all kind of uh, had the conversation between Goff and Wentz, they're so tied to each other. They're such interesting guys, considering they were the number one and number two pick in the draft. Both of them have been to, well, they have both been to a Super Bowl. Wentz did not play in the Super Bowl. Their team had won it. Goff has been there. So for the number one and the number two pick to both get to a Super Bowl, yet not be considered franchise quarterbacks is bonkers. It really is. No doubt about it. Yeah, the way Jared Goff is viewed, and I think it's tied to the way that he has to be told what to do. But my argument to that is I don't care if someone's telling him what to do or not. The fact is you have a good football team in L.A. who went to the Super Bowl even though they lost and they're still having success this year. It doesn't matter to me how it gets done as long as the job gets done. Well, here's the thing. All right. Now the situation is this. Jalen Hurts is going to start the game on Sunday. Now you have a couple of questions. Now you have a, a multitude of questions that start to enter. What happens if Hurts struggles? Then what? Do you go back to Wentz? What happens if Hurts plays really well? What is the future of Carson Wentz with that contract? Do you just sit there and say, I'm going to eat that contract and have him be the backup quarterback here? And I'm not just talking about for a year. This isn't like, hey, we got to have Nick Foles sitting on the, 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 the sideline for one more year after he just won the Super Bowl. Remember, he won the Super Bowl. He started the next year because Wentz had been hurt and he wasn't ready to play. So it made sense to keep Foles around. Now you have a situation that if this kid plays well, are you going to go into next year saying, Carson Wentz, you're coming to training camp, you are the backup quarterback? I don't think so. I think no matter what happens this year, because there is money tied to him, whether it's fair or not fair, I think it's going to be a, a quarterback battle between the two, no matter what happens. If Hurts goes on a run of four straight victories, I think it's still going to be How do you have a quarterback competition, though? <laughs> you drafted a quarterback in the second round. They did this to themselves. And quite frankly, we don't even know if there's going to be preseason games anymore. It's a great point. How do you have a quarterback competition with potentially no games? In practice. Who's making better throws? Or in the first game, one one guy gets a half, the other guy gets a half. You're right, though. I don't know how. You're basing this off of th throws in practice where guys aren't even wearing pads? They did this to themselves, though, Gil. They did. So I don't I don't feel bad oh, for them. Oh, they definitely internally. did this to themselves. 
They definitely, okay, they did this to themselves, but it's understandable that they did this if you trust and believe what they're saying, which is they value that position. And other people have said this. This isn't just the Eagles being so arrogant. You know, Lewis Riddick said it during the broadcast the other night, which was, look, some teams value the backup quarterback to be in the top 30 on their depth chart. Like, they have such a high priority on that position. And if you feel that that position is going to be necessary, which most teams, you know, don't plan for, the Eagles of all teams had that position win them a Super Bowl. So I can understand them saying, we value that more than we do a safety. We value that more than we do a linebacker. We value that position. So, yes, they put themselves in this position, but did they do it directly? Probably not, but this is where we go back to a, a little conversation we had yesterday with the messaging. You said something where, you know, you explained it perfectly on, on how you thought it was going to be. And I'm like, wow, if only someone stated that from an organizational standpoint, as if they make the draft pick, and then you fully are aware of what the situation is. But because it's this murkiness, it's ugly, no one really knows, they're trying to be deceptive, there, there's no communication... There's this weird bubble surrounding the pick, and if they were just so open to, this is nothing other than we really do value the backup quarterback. You know, Wentz has been injured, and we just want to be safe and, and have a backup quarterback. That's fine, but you don't know what he is, and you don't know exactly the game plan with the guy, which then intensifies the conversation. So I guess it comes down to me with the messaging at the time, more so than the pick. As time continues and as I grasp all the information that we are given— I'm pissed about the the lack of messaging at the time. Because that's the difference for me. You just don't know. They try and be deceptive, and that's hurting them. I understand what you're saying, and you're right. I, I The way that I mapped it out, I think would have helped them out a lot better, and I'm, I'm available for hire. <laughs> but they, they definitely need help in that area. They so. don't owe it to anybody to, to make You're right. You you're know right. what I'm saying? Like They you're don't right. have to explain why we took the quarterback in the second round. And they don't explain I mean, a lot they, of things. But they they kind of did. They said they value the backup quarterback position. I didn't think they did a good enough it's job. It's not an really answer that nobody that people want to hear though. Well I, I don't think it's you you laid it out. They have shown see this is why when I look at Green Bay, right, and I look at what they did with love, I don't think it's the same thing as the Hertz Carson thing, but if I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, yeah. I can support what they did because they showed me that well that works. Like I they've feel, done it before. I feel the love Rogers thing is a different situation. It really is. No Rogers doubt. is thirty eight years old. Like at some point you're not even if he plays till he's forty one, you don't know that. So I don't have I don't see the similarities in, you know, I know Josh was talking about this last night on game night and I get his point and it's valid that even if you're 38, you still say, "Why the hell did you draft a quarterback when I'm still in my in his mind, I'm still an upper echelon guy. Why wouldn't you get me weapons for this team?" I see that point and that he took offense to it, so now he's having a MVP season. Maybe he did you, but I'm talking about from a franchise's um the the view of the franchise them drafting a quarterback in the first round because they have a 38 yards year old starter makes some sense the eagles drafting a quarterback in round number 2 with a 28 year old quarterback who they just gave 160 million dollars that doesn't make this as much sense as green bay's now i get it 
Rodgers still saying, you could have improved this team. I don't care about the team five years from now. I won't be here. Fine. So he takes some sort of offense to that and plays his ass off this year to say, you didn't need a quarterback. I'm your guy still. Eh. Whereas Wentz took offense to it, and it almost bothered him to the point that he couldn't play. It definitely bothered him. But from the messaging standpoint of the Hurts pick, if you show that, hey, we value second or we value backup quarterbacks and we have had success with backup quarterbacks, I can support it more. So if they sent that message from the jump and they use their data and history of this is what happens when we use backup quarterbacks in the past because we value it, I can support it more. Similar to Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, look at what that organization did in the past. It worked. So you have a history of saying this philosophy works. So if they sent that message that this philosophy works, you just got to believe in us. I think it's different than seeing Doug Peterson smile and questioning if he wants Jalen Hurts to secretly be the quarterback and this and that. It just it, it got blown way out of proportion and they allowed it to get to that spot. So that's where I have a little bit of an issue with the front office and how it was handled. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, uh, Doug Peterson did put out a statement through the team's Twitter account today, which, uh, you know, that's the way they went about it today. So it is official. And the team's Twitter account, by the way, officially did tweet out that Jalen Hurts will start. So these reports are accurate. They are uh, going to happen that he will be the quarterback on Sunday. And Doug Peterson in the statement says, I have come to a decision, and I am going to go with Jalen Hurts this week against New Orleans. I looked at the whole thing and decided that for this week to look for that spark again and try to get the team over the hump. That's what he said. You saw the difference in the team. I mean, you can't deny it. There was that spark factor, and it looked like they believed they had a chance to win. When Jalen Hurts came in, they looked back at the quarterback, and it felt like those receivers, those linemen, they felt as if they had a better chance to win How based off of him being in there. I'm I with mean, you. It, it was Her, just, Wentz was that bad. That it was bad. just a demoralizing feeling if you're on that offense. And look, I get it. The play calling and yada, yada. I'm sorry, man. It was so bad. It was just bad. Just the routine, basic plays not being able to get converted. That's demoralizing for everybody. Everybody. Hey, I blocked. I did my job. And the quarterback couldn't make a five-yard throw. Like, at what point, how many times can you continue to have that happen before you're like... 12 weeks. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'm saying, how much can that happen before it starts to bring the play of everybody down that... I'm doing my job, and he can't do the most routine, basic thing. I mean, that's got to be frustrating. Absolutely it does. I, I just wonder, let's say Jalen Hurts starts the game off and they go three and out three times. Is that spark fizzled? At what point does that spark lose a little bit? Is it, hey, maybe the first time? Because I anticipate that look. It's going to be so fresh. There's going to be a new motor involved. It'll be emotionally different. So I probably expect it to start out somewhat decent for Jalen Hurts. But at some point, once the game settles in, so maybe not right from the jump going three and out, but let's say midway through the second quarter, you start to see the offense struggle. At what point does that fizzle out a bit and th that spark isn't really well, there? Well, they're going up against statistically the best defense in football. Exactly. So, I mean, you got that up against you, number one. Number two, to answer your question, it depends. I mean, if they go three and out, does it enter right back in that, hey, maybe it's us that stinks? <laughs> I don't know. 
It's funny, though. Did you hear? You'll see Malcolm Jenkins back on the field against this Eagles football team. Did you hear Jim Schwartz today? Went on like a 38-hour appreciation quote on uh, Malcolm Jenkins. It was insane. Yeah, well, I think it's fair to say the Eagles coaching staff was not thrilled that they let him walk. I was going to say, do you think that was sort of a, yeah. a jab at the front office for letting that guy leave? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's your shot to say, of course we would have liked to have that guy here. And yes, he probably would have helped us out. Yeah, I would say so. You know, this whole situation, this Wentz and Hurts, and Rob Motti is going to pinch hit today during Football at Four because Rob is very close uh, to this situation and Carson and that whole situation uh, and what's happening here. Was this the right decision? Look, I don't think – I'm surprised they made the right decision. I'm surprised from a competitive standpoint. Yes, this is the right decision, right? From a competitive standpoint – there's no way you could justify playing Wentz anymore. Can't do it. From a big picture standpoint, though, is this the right decision? That's a great question because I was going to say short term, I agree with it. Short term for this back stretch, it's a no-brainer. You go to the kid that gives you the best chance to win football games. But you do need to tie the contract to Carson. Long term, you put yourself in a real pickle. And, and it's... It's going to be a non-stop conversation. Just think about the off-season of the Eagles and how much this alone just intensifies a, a big window of what are you going to do with this quarterback. It's going to be non-stop. This is it. Another quarterback controversy. It's been a while, huh? Um, has it been a while? Well, I mean, I'm you... kidding. Nick Foles. I mean, even though it wasn't really a quarterback controversy, it, it was in terms of the fan base minorly. Right, right. right. I was going to say, you had... Well, it's funny because you had Carson Wentz here and you had Sam Bradford at the same time. Now, Wentz was a rookie. He had not played yet, but I don't think anybody wanted to see Bradford. And Roseman, you know, and I said this yesterday, the one guy that you, the one guy that you would say can get them out of the mess that they're in is Roseman. Yeah, he's also the one that put them in the spot as well. So it is tough, but right. I'm with you. Financially, the one guy who can, can get, get him out. out of the mess is the guy who theoretically got him into the mess. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So as much as everybody hates Roseman and wants to get rid of Roseman, the one thing that you could say, hey, what do I trust you to do? I can say the one thing that I think you can do is get me out of this situation. And that's where I'm having a tough time with Howie. Me, personally, when I look at this money situation they're in, I know that that is what he's really good at. So I just question as much as everyone wants him gone and this and that. This is where you probably need him the most. You can't just pull someone off the street and say, hey, can you handle this cat for me? Thanks. Right. No way. Right. Like the one thing that most people would all agree on that Howie does do a good job with. If you think he doesn't draft well, if you think he's a very poor talent evaluator, if you think that, you know, um, people don't like him. The one thing that you have to say he does well is manipulate the cap, figure out ways to kick the can down the road, which he's been accused of a lot of, hey, they kicked the can down the road with this Alshon thing and all these contracts. And now, let me let me ask you this. Do you think that Roseman kicked the can down the road for all these contracts and all these things and doesn't have a plan on how to get out of them? 
I do. Th- I am a little concerned that you know maybe we're too optimistic with how much he can manipulate the cap, as if. But he had he, to do them with a way to get out. To you get would out. Think, you would think so, and knowing his mindset and how he operates, you would think that there was a way to do it. But I am a little bit concerned that maybe he he did too much, as if he overestimated where he is. Maybe, but. I have a theory about that, actually, okay. and uh, we'll bring it up coming up on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. And don't forget, download the free mobile app, and you can take the Sports Bash everywhere on your phone. And don't forget, you can listen to Sports Bash episodes, podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen to the full show commercial-free after every show it is posted the Sports Bash Podcast. Get it wherever you listen to your podcast. Brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call with four convenient locations to serve you online. GMSLaw.com. We are live on our Twitter feed today at 973 ESPN. A lot of people over there shooting questions off during the show. Another way that you can consume the show and engage. We'll read off your Twitter questions. But if Howie Roseman kicked a can down the road and put them into financial disparity, Did he do it in a way that he knew he can get out of it? We'll discuss that coming up next. Jalen Hurts, he is the new starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll continue to discuss coming up. There's never an offseason for the NFL. It's football at 4, every day at 4. All right, Sports Pass is brought to you by Recovery Centers of America. Drug and Alcohol Addiction Treatment Centers in Mays Landing, New Jersey. Devin PA. PA, I'm Mike Gill. At Mike Gill Show on Twitter. Hunter Brody at Broads81. We're on Twitter at 973ESPN. The show is live. You can watch the video there. So, if Howie Roseman put the team in this financial situation, You would think that he had some sort of idea that he was doing this, which means he probably has some view of how to get out of it, wouldn't you think? I would hope so. Right? So a couple things. On the Daily Drive show today, somebody asked me about the draft. You're going to be in the top ten possibly in the draft, most likely. So what what ends up happening here? Well, we talked about what positions do you look at. Do you look at offensive linemen? Do you look at corner, wide receiver, yada, yada, yada. You also have to keep this in mind. You have a lot of problems, and some of them are aging current players. Now, I don't know the contract status of some of these guys, but my point is this. After seeing a guy like Jason Peters, I could see like Fletcher Cox becoming that kind of guy where eventually you're just like, hey, he's a nice player, or he's a great player, he's a great player, he's a great player. Oh, he's still pretty good, he's still pretty good, but still pretty good is not the same guy that he was. Do they just say, all right, we're cutting ties with you? Like, high-profile guys getting cut that don't have huge cap ramifications that we might say, how are you cutting Fletcher Cox? But they say, you know what, we've seen it now. He's starting to dip, he's starting to dip, he's starting to dip. It's time to just cut ties. I could see that happening, no doubt about it. But then you're really committing to 
somewhat of that retool that we heard them use in the past. Because let's say you do get rid of it, and I'm with you, I don't know exactly the contract for all of these players that we're going to throw out there, but you know, you look at a Fletcher Cox, you look at a Brandon Graham, these are key pieces to who your defense is. You're really talking about having to resurface and, and really you know retool this thing around big time. I mean, those are big changes, but yes, I could see that being a a road that they go down. Fletcher Cox, by the way, is signed uh, signed a seven year, one hundred and ten million dollar contract that includes includes sixty three million in guaranteed. Now this year he's getting twelve point nine. Next year fifteen. The following year sixteen point one. So the next two years he is getting paid some huge money. I got to find out what kind of cap hits though. You know they might be. Hey, those might be those. You know because we heard a, a lot about. Um, these dummy years on these contracts where they put these things at the end with never any anticipation of getting to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I just wonder, though, how do you sell to the fan base? Because this is the way it looks. Now, it might not be exactly the way that it is, but it looks this way. We screwed up so much with older players' contracts, Alshon, this and that, in terms of where we are with the books, that we now have to get rid of a Fletcher Cox because we made so many mistakes elsewhere. Now we are being forced to have to move on from someone that we shouldn't, but we need to because we screwed up elsewhere. Does that make sense? Um, that's what it looks like. I'm not maybe. saying that's what it is, but uh, it could be what it is as well. But, you know, it, it does look that way. It's almost as if we now have to get rid of some guys that have good years left. Maybe not elite years, but good years left. We have to get rid of them because we made mistakes. Well, I think one guy you're going to see gone is Zach Ertz. I think so, too. So, you know, I'm sure in the back of their mind. But was that because of mistakes or was that because that was almost the no. motor to begin with? No, I think, you know, you're saying mistakes. I think they're saying these were plans anyway. I think the Zach Ertz one was probably a plan anyway when they went out and got Goddard. Yes. Um, Some of the other guys, like Derek Barnett. I mean, the, the, the Eagles don't have a lot of guys that get paid all that much money. I mean, Wentz takes up a huge part of it. He is uh, $18 million on the cap. Fletcher Cox is 17 Alshon Jeffries 15 on the cap. Zach Ertz is 12 After that, the next highest guy is Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson, Darius Slay. Derek Barnett is $4 million. Jason Peters is $4 million. Jalen Mills is $4 million. I mean, they don't have a whole heck of a lot. It's those guys at the top. Well, here's another thing, though, because if you do move on from the Jalen Mills and you move on from Derek Barnett and you move on from these pieces that are, you know, $4 million like you're stating, how do you fill those holes? If you're not going to draft and land those spots in the draft, you're going to have to go out and sign free agents, right? So if you do move on from some of these pieces, you're going to have to fill that role next to Rodney McLeod. You're going to have to fill that role at defensive end. How do you fill those roles? Well, you got to spend money. Well, yeah, well, either that or... You know, you got to hit on the draft, and we don't know enough about some of the draft choices. Kayvon Wallace, he was a safety that they drafted. We really haven't seen him play. Is he the guy that's just blocked right now by, I, I don't know. I yeah, mean, he's intriguing. He's a name that's definitely intriguing, but you don't know what he is yet. And and keep in mind also these players that you drafted that eventually will need to get paid. And, you know, as the years continue to move forward, some of these rookies from two years ago are going to eventually have to get paid and this and that. So, you know, that's also something to, to look into. Well, I know this, that you're not going to have Jason Peters back next year. So that will clear that. up. I know it doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot of money, but oddly, he is still one of the guys on this team. Actually, where is he at? Oh, this is uh, in 2020, this particular year. He is 
$4 million cap hit. I mean, he's one of the highest. He's in the top 10 on the roster in cap hits on this team. Now, he's only signed for one year, so he's off the books next year. I mean, so I think Zach Hurts is one of them. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at something like Dallas Goddard, for example, right? Like, at some point, you're going to have to pay him money, right? And right now, it looks like he's got two more years until he's a UFA. But I'm thinking ahead here. If you start making moves, okay, well, at what point do you got to pay Dallas Goddard? And what does he even earn? How much money does he even get? So they're in some trouble here. But when it comes to Howie Roseman, he's good with money. So where are right. we right now? Exactly. So 2022, Wentz is a $31 million cap number. Fletcher Cox is a $23 million cap number. So getting rid of Fletcher Cox, I think, might be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, if I'm reading this I, thing the right way, this uh, overthecap.com, uh, getting rid of Fletcher Cox would be how about Brandon Graham? problematic. Is that problematic? Brandon Graham, he is a $4.9 million cap hit in 2022. See, if you cut him, let's see here. If see, and that's another thing. What has Howie done so much? He's restructured these deals. He's given extensions, and that's part of the reason they got into this problem. But what's to say that he can't go to Lane Johnson? Well, they've gone to Lane Johnson so many times, right? And keep doing it and doing it and doing it, right? Is you that find that guy that you're like, hey, we need to restructure your deal again. Yeah, they just did Fletcher's this season, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. they've done a bunch of these guys. Yeah. Andre Dillard's another guy. He's a $3.9 million, uh, excuse me, a yeah, $3.9 million cap hit in 2022. He, I mean, there's a good chance that he's not even here anymore. I was going to say, you don't even know if he's your left tackle. Now, you might have found your left tackle in the seventh round. Right. Lane Johnson is an interesting one because do they decide that? I mean, I don't know what Lane's contract fully is right now, but do they decide that, look, we're going to move on from Lane Johnson. He's getting older. He's been banged up so much. And we like this. We got Dillard, and we like Mayalata. We're going to play Dillard at left. We'll go with Mayalata at right. What about Brandon Brooks? See, the problem is the injuries probably will scare people off in terms of, you know, maybe if you wanted to make a trade or something for a right well, guard like Brandon Brooks. I think they keep Brandon Brooks here. You think they're just going to go with another, hey, let's hope that you can stay healthy? My thought would be that they would keep Brandon Brooks here, and, and if you've seen him at all, I mean, the guy is a tremendous physical He was condition. doing box jumps like six months ago. I yeah. couldn't believe what I was seeing. He looks jacked. Yeah. Too. Uh, Lane Johnson makes a lot of money. Now, Deshaun Jackson, he's another guy. He is a guy that makes some decent money on this team who right now is sitting on the injured list. This year, he gets paid an 8.6 cap number. Next year, it goes up to $10 million. Now, the, you know... One of the things with this is he signed a three-year, $27 million deal, and he got $13 million in guarantees, a $7 million signing bonus. The 22 and 23 years void if Jackson is not extended, which obviously he's not going to have. So he really signed a three-year, $27 million contract. It has two years on the deal after that that they can opt into, which they're not going to do. So they still have to pay him again next season. So Deshaun Jackson... This whole saga, he's a $10 million cap number next year. Major problem. Major, so, and you're probably going to get three games if you're lucky. But if you cut him pre-June 1st, that number drops down to 5.8. So that's what you're going to see happen. You'll see Deshaun Jackson get cut, 
and that'll save them five million bucks. But all these five million here, four million here, four, they all add up, and I think that's why you're going to see a little bit of a tough spot for this organization. I think for the next handful well, of years. Let, let's look at that though. Okay, so Deshaun Jackson, boom. Let's that saves you five. Alshon Jeffrey, he's not going to be here next year. If you cut Alshon Jeffrey, you are saving seven point nine million on the cap. If you cut him, it's a seven point nine million dollar savings. After yeah, but you're still pre June first. How much do you have to pay to cut him though? What's the dead cap on it? Oh, ten million. Okay, so but if right you now keep you're him down on the roster. Mil. If you keep him on the roster. His cap number is 18 plus. Right, I got you. But if you, so let's say you cut him pre June 1st, so you're talking 10 mil. So right now, between Deshaun and Alshon, that would be 15 million in dead cap to not even play on the football team, correct? Well, post June 1st, he's a $13 million savings because that number, the dead money number, goes down to 5 million. Okay. So Alshon Jeffrey's gone. Yeah, well, regardless, you're going to be spending a lot of money for two people not to even be on your roster. Yeah, you have some dead money into that situation. Now, with Fletcher Cox, if you do the same with him post-June 1st. I can't imagine them doing this to Fletch. Fletcher Cox, by the way, post-June 1st, you know what your savings on the cap is? $16 million. Yeah, but then you're also spending how much for someone to not even be playing on your roster? That's what you have to look the at. The dead as well. money is seven point eight. So the cap saving is sixteen million. But you got to add it all up. So if it's fifteen mil for no Alshon and no Deshaun, are you going to add seven mil for no Fletch? So now you're spending over twenty million dollars for three guys to not even play for you. I just don't know if you can do that for so many people at once. Well, the two guys, Jeffrey and Jackson, you have no plans for. You're right. So you're not really. I see what you're saying in terms of I'm paying these guys money, but they're not in your plans. They're not in your plans. I know they're not. But but that's why I think you're in this predicament is because they look at it as, can we well, really spend 20 mil for these guys to what? all not play? In the end, they just got to get under that cap. They got to figure out a way to do it. They got two guys in Jeffrey and in Jackson that they can do it with. Yeah, those two are reasonable. I don't know if you can justify the Fletch one. You might have to bite the bullet on keeping him. That might be biting the bullet because I just don't know how you can continue to pay all these players to just cut them. You're you're in a and then you add the whole Carson Wentz thing involved. Uh, I mean, they have twenty million dollars in dead money right now. So this is not like. I, mean, I wonder how many people that split up upon, though. Well, I can tell you right now. Okay. Malcolm Jenkins, six million. Nigel Bradham, five. Ronald Darby, two point eight. Will Parks, one point one. Sidney Jones, six hundred fifty thousand. Uh, L.J. Fort, Cravon LeBlanc, um, Jamon Brown, who they just cut. I mean, guys who aren't even. I mean, Clayton Thorson, Casey Tuhill, <laughs> Clayton Thorson, Rasul Douglas. Mac Hollins, Richard Rogers. But you see how many people that is. You would be twenty million for just three players. Oh yeah, I'm saying, but it's it's. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins though, and Nigel Bradham. That's the two players. Majority of it. Eleven million of the twenty is those two players right there. They're two guys. Well, my, Nigel's not even in the league. I don't think. No, I don't think. I think someone tried to give him a chance, and the, yeah, the Saints is tried to give him your, a chance. Your injured reserve right reserve list right now. You have a twenty six point eight million in your cap on your injured list right now. Uh, Lane Johnson, Deshaun Jackson, Andre Dillard, those three guys there. Lane is 10.2, Deshaun is 8.6, and Dillard's 2.8. So those three guys make up 18, 20 of your $26 million. So, you know, you're just now, if you let's see if you did something with Lane Johnson because this contract, they've been kicking his, his can down the road 
a lot. You here. think it's time to move on from Lane, though? I think he's got some good years left. I don't him. think that it's performance based. I think it's more we you're have options, a, right? You're in you're in a bad position contract wise. You can't and... get rid of him because his dead money hit. Well, his cap savings in 2021. His cap number is 17. The dead money's 39. He, 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 you would take a 21 million dollar. Can't do that. No. Can't do that. Now, if you cut him post June 1st, you're only saving 150 thousand. Not enough. I don't think there's a chance in hell that happens. No, he's on this team until at least 2023. You get a 14 million dollar cap savings in 2023. I'm not as concerned with Lane Johnson. But I understand what you're doing. You're trying to find ways to make sure you can get under this cap. And, well, and right. It's going to be well, hard. The, the point I'm making is, though, there are there are things that Roseman can probably do that might be unpopular. I don't think getting rid of Sander, um, Jeffrey, and, and Jackson is unpopular. No, that's probably the popular decision. Zach Ertz would be one that would probably be somewhat unpopular. But would that see the, the whole Zach Ertz thing is, you know, there are people upset with the Phillies with JT Real Muto. It's already understood and you should already be prepared that Zach that John Middleton would not pay JT Real Muto. So there's no reason to get frustrated. With Zach Ertz, I feel it's the same thing. It's already written down and displayed that Zach Ertz is not going to be here. So you shouldn't be shocked or stunned or frustrated when it comes out that Zach Ertz is no longer here. It's already there for you to see. So that's on you if you're thinking this is an unpopular decision. You should already be aware that this is the case. Zach Ertz, if he was released, would be a cap savings of $8.2 million and a dead money of 4.2. So the dead money thing... That is, to me, more of an organizational thing. Do they want to take on dead money? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's up to Jeff Lord to say, I don't mind the dead money. I don't mind paying out this dead money if we can clear up this cap problem and stay competitive. That's the issue, though, because staying competitive, I like how you brought that up. You might be able to get under the t- get under the salary cap and cut some people and do this and that, take on dead money. How do you fill those holes, though? Well... Dallas Goddard, you would hope to say, and then Richard Rodgers, you would say, those two guys, we like that. Okay, we'll get rid of Zach Ertz. We're not going to pay him. We'll save all that money there. Lane Johnson, which we, you can't really do, but we have Maialata, and we hope when Dillard comes back, we'll take those two guys. We might not be as good, but we're serviceable there. The two receivers thing, I mean, you got to hope that Rieger develops and, and becomes something better than what he is right now. Uh, Jeffrey isn't helping you now anyway. You hope Fulgham and Rieger become yeah. your two receivers. You might have to look in another direction as well for another one, unless Hightower develops. Yeah, that too. I'm saying some of these young, like Quez Watkins, can he become a, a a downfield threat? Does John Hightower become something? I don't know. I mean, but you got at some point, you got to start turning it over. The question is, can you be involved in free agency? Can you be bring in a veteran guy who's like, you know, in his later 29 prime year to help out the team now. Probably not. Sports bash. But that's the decision you made when you signed the quarterback, was that the quarterback would take you to a level that you knew you couldn't get involved on those type of players. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's like Russell Wilson. You saw him do really well when he was on that first contract, and then when they had to pay him, you had to restructure the whole team and find other ways to use that money because Russell Wilson was getting paid a hefty amount. Uh, we have more anytime hotline calls that we wanted to uh, hit on from yesterday. We've got text messages, 609-403-0973.
Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. Uh, the Eagles have made it official today. They have benched Carson Wentz. He will not be the starter for the game on Sunday. Jalen Hurts will get the call. The Eagles had really no choice here. Wentz has been one of the worst quarterbacks, not only this season, I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, not even an NFL quarterback. That's how bad he was playing. You know, CFL, AAF. He completed just one pass for eight yards to wide receivers in 38 minutes of play the other day. 57% uh, of his throws and six yards per attempt. He has one more passing touchdown this year than interceptions. A historic drop uh, for a guy who most likely was going to be the MVP of the league in 2017. And then you turn the thing over to Jalen Hurts, who, look, in 22 minutes of play against the Packers, was able to put a couple of points on the board, move the ball a little bit. And look, this is a guy who led the NCAA in yards per attempt, 11.5 at Oklahoma. He can throw the ball down the field. He gives you a little something more in terms of the accuracy. And I think that, look, he's a 1-2 quarterback read right now. He's going to make that quick read, get the ball out, something that Carson Wentz really has struggled with, which was make the quick read and get the ball out. One of Wentz's positives in the past Broads has been his propensity to be able to make a big play. That has kind of gone out the window because he has held on to the ball. Right. And if things get ugly, if he sees his first read, Jalen Hurts, if you know, if he doesn't have enough time to go through all the progressions, which I'm sure is going to happen, especially against the Saints defense, he'll use his legs. He'll try and escape. Now we're going to have Rob Motti on for football at four. He tweeted this out yesterday. So he's not trying to knock anything that Jalen Hurts did, but it's just context around what happened. When the Eagles were down 17 and 20 points. He went 4 of 7 for 92 yards, a touchdown, and a sack. When they were down 7 and 14, 1 of 5, 17 yards, 2 sacks, interception. So when things got closer, it wasn't as pretty, which is understandable, but it doesn't mean he can't play well. It's just something to throw out. I said yesterday, that completion percentage, not good. He was in the 40s for right. Jalen Hurts. That is correct. That needs to be brought up because if I'm going to bring it up for Wentz being unacceptable, at 58% this year, 41 is not going to get it done. Andrew Brandt tweeted this out. A benched Carson Wentz is something this front office, through their massive investment in the draft and financial resources, never envisioned. Well, guess what? Envision it now because the Eagles have made the move. Carson Wentz is on the bench. And this is way beyond a sunk cost, says Andrew Brandt. He is uncuttable and untradeable for at least 15 months.